Avenal, glad that you're here. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving, and I know that God is going to do something in this special in this service. He already has, hasn't he? Uh, he is in this place. We've worshipped him in song. Now let's learn from his word. Uh, I've got a message today that I believe is, is very important and very practical, something that you can take with you home today. It's going to make you a better Christian, a better person. Uh, it's going to make you a better uh, husband or wife or a, a better mother, father, better, better kid. Uh, this is a great passage of scripture we're going to look at today from 2 Chronicles chapter 30. Now, let me introduce this passage by telling you on Wednesday nights, uh, hey, we do have church on Wednesday nights around here, 7 o'clock, and uh, I have the adults in here with me, and I'm doing a little series of messages on this cool little phrase that's found in the Bible, six times it's found, and the phrase is day by day. Things that we have happened to us or things that can happen to us or blessings that we should receive day by day from the Lord. There are six times that phrase appears. I preached three of these messages on Wednesday night, and I've picked this particular one to preach on Sunday morning. It talks about our daily joy. I'd like to show you an Old Testament story that brings out the importance of, uh, of having a day-by-day personal revival of joy in our hearts. And from the looks of some of your faces, you need a little joy in your heart today. So let's learn about it. Let me begin by reading one verse found in 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 21. It says, So the children of Israel who were present at Jerusalem kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with great gladness. We already see some joy right there. They, they were happy to do this and to, to celebrate with the Lord. And the Levites and the priests praised the Lord. There's our phrase, day by day. So what were they doing day by day? Praising the Lord. They were also singing to the Lord day by day, accompanied by loud instruments. Woo, man. I tell you what. I, I didn't have that response first service when I told those people, I'm going to preach today on having loud instruments in the church to praise the Lord with. Hey man, I believe in it. it it's biblical right here. They had, these, they had a praise band, man, and they were getting it on and they were praising the Lord day by day. Let me show you the result of that down in verse 26. I'll end with this verse, so when I come back to this verse, you'll know that it's the end of my message, all right? Here it is. So there was great joy in Jerusalem. Why? Because they were having a daily revival with the Lord. Day by day, they were praising God, they were singing praises to His name, and God was sending joy into their heart. And it was an awesome thing. Heavenly Father, I pray that that same awesome this would come over us this morning, that we would praise your name, that we would repent and do the things necessary to receive the great joy that only comes from knowing Jesus. Lord, restore the joy of our salvation to our hearts today. Lord, give us a personal revival that bleeds into a church-wide revival from this great passage today. We ask this in your name. Amen. Charles Schultz, the creator of the comic strip Peanuts, once quipped, Life is easier if you dread only one day at a time. 
And maybe that's the way you live life. A sportscaster once introduced ball player Gary Maddox of the Phillies by saying, Gary's turned his life around. He used to be depressed and miserable. Now he's miserable and depressed. <laughs> well, I don't believe the Lord wants us to dread one day at a time. Hmm? I don't believe the Lord wants us to be depressed and miserable or miserable and depressed. But I guarantee you the devil does. That's what he wants from your life. And Satan knows how to send hardship from every direction. Now there are some days, and I'm just being perfectly honest with you, there are some days that I lose the sense of joy that I should have as a Christian. A lot of different reasons for that. Sometimes there are joy suckers who come into my life. And think it's God's will for them to suck the joy right out of my system. But there are some days when all I want to do is pack my bags and go on a long trip. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you, when my heart is reflecting the promises of God by simple faith, believing, then I am able to abide in the joy that God wants me to have. And God wants me to live in joy unspeakable and have Full of glory. That, that introduces us to the concept for today that is of personal daily revival. Now I know that we all long for a national or global revival that will restore the vitality of the Holy Spirit to the church around the world. But what I would like to suggest today is that individual Christians like us, we don't need to wait for that. We need personal daily revival in our lives right now. We need the joy of Jesus day by day in our walk with Him. Here in 2 Chronicles is a story that can help us with that. In 2 Chronicles chapter 28, Prince Hezekiah was elevated to the throne upon the death of his father, King Ahaz, who had been an exceedingly evil man. In fact, we have a description of King Ahaz in 2 Chronicles 28, 22. It says, Now in the time of his distress, King Ahaz became increasingly unfaithful to the Lord. This is that King Ahaz. For he sacrificed to the gods of Damascus, which had defeated him, saying, Because the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, I will sacrifice to them that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him and all Israel. C can you see the twisted thinking of evil king Ahaz? This is a picture of self-destructive and addictive sin. He was addicted to the very things that were destroying him. He was worshiping the very things that were causing his own ruin. That's what an addiction is. And this is a picture of sin. Look at verse 24. So Ahaz gathered the articles of the house of God, and he cut in pieces the articles of the house of God. He shut up the doors of the house of the Lord and made for himself altars in every corner of Jerusalem. And in every single city of Judah, he made high places to burn incense to other gods. And in so doing, he provoked to anger the Lord God of his fathers. He was a wicked man. 
Under King Ahaz, the temple of God was looted. The precious articles of worship were destroyed. The church was shut down and boarded up. And the entire nation descended into this cesspool of idolatry. That sounds a little familiar, does it not? Kind of like what's happening in our world today. But God came through. God sent one man to turn the tide. A young prince by the name of Hezekiah, whose story is told in the next couple of chapters. Uh, This is one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. And this past week I read it and re-read it, and it became clear to me that that personal revival, the kind of revival that brings daily joy, requires four prerequisites on our part. Now guys, let me tell you, you you can't cause revival to happen. Revival is sent from God, okay? But you can do certain things in your life to prepare yourself for revival. And these are four things we need to be doing right now. The first one is this. You need to make up your mind this morning that things are going to change in your life. Okay? You got that? It's pretty, pretty simple. You know, it's time for things to change in my life. And today, I'm going to make the decision that today, November 27, 2016, is the pivot day for me. It is the day when things change in my life. Hey, do you know the definition of of insanity? It's just doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. You're not going to get them. So today, I'm making a decision that things are going to change in my life. Mark it down. 2 Chronicles 29, 1 through 3. Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all his father David had done. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. That's significant. You see that? In the first month of his first year. In other words, as soon as he rose to the throne, he took action to begin to institute religious reform in his life, in his family, and in his kingdom. He said, this day things change. And he pivoted his nation on that particular day. He didn't wait. So let me ask you a question that begs to be asked today. What is it that you need to change in your life? What is the one thing you need to change today? You know what? I think most of us know at least one thing. You may have a long list of things that you know needs to change in your life. I mean, if we hired an expert on spiritual growth or an expert on personal management to spend a couple of days with you, what would they tell you to do? Well, we don't have to do that because you know what needs to change in your life, don't you? You you know what habits need to change. You know what behavior patterns need to change. You know the attitudes that need to change in your life. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would that one thing be? You know, here's, here's most of our problem. We try to change the people around us. If I could just change them, I would be happier. No, you, can I tell you something? You can't change other people, but you can change yourself. 
So what is the one thing you need to change about yourself? If you could improve one area of your life, what area would you target today? If there is one thing holding you back from being the Christian God's called you to be and growing in your spiritual life, what is that one thing? Guys, let me tell you, if you need religious reform in your life, you don't, wait, you don't need to wait till tomorrow to start. You need to start today. You don't need to convince yourself, well, you know what, I'll get through the holidays, then I'll make the change. Or I'll wait till the first of the year, then I'll change. No, today is the day. Now is the acceptable time. If you need to change something in your life, let's mark it down. Let's do it today, okay? November 27th, 2016, mark it down. This is the day I've decided to take that step. I'm crossing the continental divide of my own life. I identify what needs to change, and I'm going to start changing it. With God's help, this is going to change in my life. Are you fired up? You ready to do it? Here's, here's the next step. After you make the decision that things are going to change, you need to take out the trash. You need to carry out the garbage. Now, I don't have many duties at home. My, my wife lets me off pretty light. I've trained her for 33 years, and, and she, uh, she, no, not really. That was a mistake, wasn't it? I'm not even going to look over there. I'm just going to keep turning this way. One job I do have that I'm very faithful and committed to do is it's my job to carry out the trash. It's, it's, a, it's a process that begins on Thursday evening. And Angie, Angie kind of gets ticked off at me. Sometimes she thinks I start too early because trash accumulates after I carry it out. But I'll wait till Thursday night and I'll, I'll go get a, a black garbage bag and I'll start going through the house emptying everybody's trash out. I can't wait till Zane leaves the house. And let me tell you why. Then all my kids will be gone, and it's just going to be Angie and I, and there's going to be a lot less garbage. I'm joking. I'm joking. I, I'm joking. I tell you this, Whitney and Tyler are home this week. I'm, I'm gonna, weekend, I'm going to have a whole lot more garbage to get out of the house come Thursday. I already, I'm already anticipating that, you know. Now that I've thoroughly ticked everybody off in my family, let me go on with my story. I gather all the garbage up. Angie helps me with the refrigerator garbage because I never know what to get out of there. I take the garbage out of the trash masher. I accumulate all that garbage. I put it in the big garbage can and I haul it down the street, wait for the garbage man to pick up on Friday. That's my job, to carry out the trash. And let me tell you, I receive quite a bit of gratification in doing that. I like, I like carrying out the trash. I see that I've done a job well. Okay, you with me? Now, there are implications to that in our story. Let me read about it in chapter 29, verse 3. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Then he brought in the priests and the Levites, and he gathered them in the east square. And he said to them, Hear me, Levites, now sanctify yourself. Sanctify the house of the Lord God your fathers, and carry out the rubbish from the holy place. Look down in verse 16. Then the priests went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it, and they brought out all of the debris that they found in the temple 
of the Lord to the court of the house of the Lord. You see, before they could reestablish worship, before they could have any worship services in the temple, they had to carry out all the rubbish and all the garbage and all the trash that had accumulated in the house of God. The temple was filled and, and filthy with inappropriate and vile objects, and it took them two weeks to clean out the house of God. Verse 17 tells us, They began to sanctify the house of God on the first day of the first month, and on the eighth day of the month they came to the vestibule of the Lord. So they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days, and on the sixteenth day of the first month they finished. Over two weeks to clean out the temple of the Lord. And you're saying, okay, preacher, you've rambled on long enough. What's your application? There is a very specific point of application here for us today. Because our holy place, our temple, is our heart. It's our heart. Your heart is the temple of God. And if you want a personal daily revival, the first thing that you need to do is not only say, okay, today is the day that I'm going to change things. Then what you need to do is carry out the garbage. Gather up all the rubble and debris that's in your heart and take out the trash. You need to get the, the garbage out of your life. There's some Bible terms that we use to describe that action. It's called confession. Confession. Repentance. It means a turning away from evil. Because that's what we need to do. We need to repent. We need to confess our sins. We need to get the garbage out so the joy can come back in. In his book, The Revival We Need, Dr. Oswald Smith makes a very interesting observation. This is what he wrote. How may we secure such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in revival? Your answer? By prayer. And that is true, but there is something that must happen prior to prayer. We will have to deal, first of all, with the question of sin. For unless our lives are right in the sight of God, Unless sin has been put away, we may pray till doomsday and revival will never come. And then he quoted Isaiah 59:2. Your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you so that he will not hear. So guys, let me tell you, it's imperative that you clear the debris out of your heart, that you carry the rubbish and all of the sin out of your life. You do that through confession, through repentance, asking God to forgive you. Then the third thing that we need to do is we need to rededicate our life to Christ. We need to worship Him. In this passage of Scripture, what they did was they reissued the observance of the Passover. It's interesting to me. Look at this next chapter, 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 1. And Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah, and also wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh, that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover to the Lord God of Israel. Now, you may remember that the Passover was the oldest and greatest of Israel's holy days. It commemorated the night when the Jews were delivered from Egypt. They had been slaves down in Egypt for over 400 years, but Moses came and confronted the Pharaoh and said, let God's people go. 
When Pharaoh refused, the Lord sent a series of plagues upon the land of Egypt. And the last and greatest of those plagues was the death of the firstborn. But the Lord told the Israelites on that night that they were together in their home as a family. And they were to slay a sacrificial lamb. Its blood was to be painted on the doorpost of their house. The Lord said, when I see the blood, I will pass over that house. That night the death angel passed through the land of the Pharaohs and the firstborn of all Egyptians died. But the Israelites were spared because why? They had the blood of the lamb posted on their house. And that night they were delivered from Egypt. Now, God had commanded the Jews as a nation to observe this holy night on an annual basis throughout their history. Throughout all their generations, they were to commemorate that night and observe it as a holy night. But the observance of the Passover had really fallen to the wayside. And the nation had forgotten its most holy holiday. But now Hezekiah the king realized their mistake and he wanted to reestablish the observance of the Passover. But he had a problem. It was coming too quick and the, the priest and the Levites couldn't get ready for it. And by the time everyone was ready for Passover, it had already come and gone. But being a, a very creative leader, he said, I'll tell you what we'll do for this year and this year only. We're going to celebrate the Passover 10 months early. And that's what they did. 2 Chronicles 30, 1 through 5, Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah and also wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover to the Lord God of Israel. For the king and his leaders and all the assembly in Jerusalem had agreed to keep the Passover the second month. For they could not keep it at the regular time because a sufficient number of priests had not consecrated themselves, the slaying of the great, because when Jesus died, he died for the sin of the world. And when his blood was shed, it was shed for the sins of the world. It represents the cross. And really that is the next step in our daily personal revival. Number one, we got to make a decision that things are going to change. Number two, we have to clear the debris out of our life. And then number three, we need to kneel at the cross and rediscover the depths of our Lord and Savior. What we need to do today is rededicate our lives to Christ. After we have confessed our sins, we need to get our eyes back on Him. We need to give Him everything, our past, our present, our future, we need to come today and worship Him, adore Him, praise Him, live for Him. And then the fourth thing we need to do is simply choose joy. After we've made up our mind to change things, after we've carried out the rubbish that's in our heart and restored the Passover in our life, then we need to choose the joy of the Lord. Look at verse 21 of chapter 30 again, our key verse. So the children of Israel who were present at Jerusalem kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with great gladness. And the Levites and priests praised the Lord day by day, singing to the Lord, accompanied by loud instruments. And then down in verse 26 we read again, So there was great joy in Jerusalem. 
For since the time of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. Then the priests, the Levites, arose and they blessed the people, and their voice was heard, and their prayer came up to the holy dwelling place, even to heaven. Now, isn't that amazing? Isn't that a, They got their heart right with God. They observed the Passover. They confessed their sins. And then joy filled their life. Yes. Amen. Heaven was open to them. God heard their prayer because they chose joy. And I chose that phrase on purpose. They chose joy. Because, you see, I believe that is an attitude we choose. We choose the joy of the Lord. Now, it's something that God does inside of us, yes. He gives us His joy, but you know what? We choose that joy and that attitude every day. There's a story of the great missionary C.T. Studd. He was traveling on a ship to China. The captain of the ship was an embittered opponent of Christianity who often studied the Bible for the sole purpose of arguing with missionaries who would board his ship to go to China. When he learned that C.T. Studd, that great bulk of an evangelist, that great athletic man himself, was aboard his ship, oh man, the captain couldn't wait. And finally one day he lit into Studd and wanted to argue with the preacher. But instead of arguing with him, Studd, who was, who was a great hulk of an athlete, he, he put his arm around the captain and said, but my friend, what you need to understand is this. I have a peace that passes all understanding." in my heart, and I have a joy that nothing can take away. Amen. Well, it blew the captain of the ship away. He didn't, he didn't expect that. <laughs> and after he stood there, bum-fuzzled for a moment, he said, well, well, you're a lucky dog. <laughs> and then he walked away. You know what? By the time that ship reached China, C.T. Studd led the captain of the ship to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Did you hear that? The joy of the Lord is our strength. And when you lose your joy, you lose your strength. When you lose your joy, you lose enthusiasm for life. And what you need is a personal revival. I wonder, is there anyone in that category today? Have you lost your joy? You can find it today. You can find it in Jesus. You need to make up your mind that you're going to do something about it. You need to clear the debris out of your heart. You need to rededicate your life to Jesus. And you need to choose joy. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would do that today. Help us to choose joy. Help us, dear Lord, to say enough is enough. I'm tired of the way things are going in my life, and today I want things to change. And I pray by simple faith we would come and confess the sin of our life to you. I pray that we would rededicate our life to Jesus and put our focus on Jesus and what he did for us on Calvary's cross. And I pray that today we would choose joy. For we ask this in your name. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. They're going to...